0: Welcome to The Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet and purpose and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Matthew Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today on The Greener Way. Uh, Can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your role at EY?
1: Thanks very much and thanks thanks for being here. So I'm currently the EY Oceania Chief Sustainability Officer, which is a very broad title um, and covers lots of different things um, but I've been at EY for a long time, and part of my role here at EY has covered client delivery services in the climate change and sustainability services team for a very long time until relatively recently. I was the global leader of that team. And then in 1 July 2021, I took over as the chief sustainability officer, as I said. And really, the role there is about looking at how we as a firm are looking to engage on the sustainability agenda both for us as a business, but also in the way that we actually support our clients and in the way we go to our clients in all of the services that we deliver, not just the specialised climate change and sustainability services.
0: We're here, obviously, to uh, to talk about the enough report, which uh, caused a uh, a, a, one doesn't want to say a storm in a teacup, given we're talking about sustainability and climate change, but um, certainly awakened a lot of interest recently. Can you explain to the audience what the enough report was, um, how it's been received and why EY decided to sort of peg, um, you know, a really bold agenda um, on uh, on the sustainability progress? The
1: main purpose of the ENOUGH report effectively was to elicit debate. Um, And I think that that's that's really important in the sustainability realm because, you know, we we have talked a lot about the issues that we've got in the world around sustainability, whether they be related to climate change, whether they be related to inclusive um, communities, whether it be related to water. All of these are major issues that the world is facing right now. And businesses have been for some time looking to establish responses to those issues and looking at the role that they play, both in the, the negative inset impacts, but also how they can be part of the solution. But the reality is that despite this growing focus, most organisations around the world of scale having sustainability strategies, looking to undertake and really deliver initiatives, which we're doing at EY ourselves. The reality is that we're getting worse. We're not getting better. And so the Enough Report was really just a, a process of looking to elicit debate as to kind of that, that saying, which is, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and, and expecting a different outcome. And I think mm-hmm. the Enough Report is really about trying to say, well, maybe we do need to change the way that we're doing things in order to deliver a better outcome.
0: How has it been received?
1: I think the way that you described it, maybe a bit of surprise that EY would would put this out there to begin with, but almost universal recognition of the issue that we've raised being actually the case. So I think it it would be surprising to many people that businesses are actually wanting to change the outcomes. So none of the downside impacts that we see in the environment or in communities are good for business. So you know that climate change ultimately will be bad for business disaffected communities are ultimately bad for business they undermine economies and you know for for the vast majority of businesses stable economies strong environmental outcomes access to natural capital all of these things are good for business and so i think that's probably the surprising piece of it was People were a bit surprised that we put something out there that said this, but at the same time, all kind of saying, "Yeah, but we recognise the challenges." Now, I think the more tricky part will be getting more agreement on the solutions. That's the uh, mm. that's the more challenging part of the of the debate, which will come hopefully in the, in the next few iterations of of uh, of what we do with the Enough Report.
0: Mm, hopefully, before the end of the, this critical decade, as well. Matt, from your perspective, um, Patagonia founder Yvon Chunard's announcement uh, that he was going to turn over all his ownership stake in Patagonia to uh, a trust to find environmental solutions—is this an example of what the Enough Report is looking for? Um, is this something that you know is you know a meaningful gesture by a, a very rich man, but not something that can be replicable or scalable? Does it draw more attention to the need for dramatic so- solutions? Where does this all where does this all work out from your perspective?
1: It's a good point. Um, I would say that it probably doesn't give us a universal solution or pathway for business. Would be the way the first thing I would I would say, and we do know it's not the first uh, multi-billionaire that has provided, you know, or, or taken a not like maybe the same path, but a similar pathway in the context of, you know, if we think about what the Gatesers have done with their fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's not an unusual approach, I guess. If you've got that much money, you can give it to lots of different places. And if we think about um, Jeff Bezos' wife has done effectively the same thing. Mm. So I don't think it really gives us a pathway for solutions for businesses. And I think the construct of, you know, also listed companies just don't have, have the ability to do that, you know, in the context, you know, it's, it's hard enough for them to justify kind of any spend on philanthropic um, outcomes. They have to be able to, demonstrate why it's good for their businesses. So I I don't think it's going to give us that picture of structural change that we need. Um, Mm. What it hopefully will do though is just continue to identify within the business world that these are real issues and people are genuinely concerned by them and we need to take drastic action in order to to facilitate change. We shouldn't Mm. underestimate just purely the amount of additional capital that's going to go into solving solutions, and that shouldn't be underestimated, mm. even though it's only one only one business that's um, done it. But mm. yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it really does give us that pathway for, for how we deliver on those solutions, if that makes sense, Rachel.
0: Yeah, sure. A lot of um, research reports I tend to get uh, through my inbox these days, um, talks about this idea of uniting profit and purpose. Um, Which would seem to be sort of a a broader and more accessible pathway, potentially for for listed companies, but particularly for uh, small and medium sized companies as well, that are a big part of these solutions as well. I imagine. You know, what role do you play at EY, or does do organizations like EY um, play towards assisting companies that get this idea that you know, for their customers, for their employees, for their community stakeholders, they have to integrate purpose into their strategy, but don't know how to get there?
1: Probably the first. Point of what we do at EY to assist is the concept of showing why this is a good thing to do. Sorry, it's obviously a good thing to do. I think most people will acknowledge that, but why this is a good business decision to do?
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you know, there is a lot of research that's tried to create that causal link between strong sustainability outcomes and strong financial performance, but it, it is relatively fraught, and most researchers will tell you, though the the academics will tell you, trying to unpick the complexities associated with different businesses' performance and so on, given the huge complexity and macroeconomic impacts, it's almost impossible. So to try and Mm. distill all of the things that businesses execute on to one thing to say this is the thing that made them successful, I think we would all acknowledge that that's just impossible that's not just a sustainability thing, but trying to pinpoint one thing that all businesses, if they get right, will be successful is, frankly, a bit of a nonsense, right? So that's just not possible. So Mm -hmm. I think part of what we do at EY is looking at bespoke scenarios where a business will come to us and say, you know, is this something that we should be doing? And it's about saying, well, if you do it in the right way and you undertake these things, these are strong business practices that will deliver superior outcomes for you as a business going forward that's part of the role that we play so that kind of construct of saying for you as a particular business rather than this broad research that says everyone that does sustainability will be beneficial if we look at it Mm. specifically to say this is when we look at your business this is the areas that you're failing and this is how a more focused sustainability strategy will support you is part Mm. of the role that we do the other part of the role that we do is just help Businesses actually undertake the transformation that's necessary. And that's, you know, if we think about decarbonisation as one point of transformation for big organisations, that's going to capture things like we need new financing structures, we need need new access to capital, we need a new Mm -hmm. picture about what income looks like in the future. So a future back scenario Mm -hmm. analysis that says this is how we're going to get there. You need people to actually scour the world to see what sort of businesses you should be implementing into. These are all very standard sort of approaches that businesses need to undertake. They just come mm. from a new lens, of being focused on decarbonisation or focused on broader ESG or focused on societal outcomes. So I think, mm. you know, one thing I would say, Joe always push back when people sort of say, oh, there's no evidence that supports the fact that sustainability delivers strong business outcomes. There's not too many where you turn around and go, oh, we implemented a sustainability strategy and that really delivered poor business outcomes. Like it just, mm. you know, mm. um, they're not many of those, right? So there's also lots and lots of examples of where p- businesses have done the wrong thing and haven't applied sustainability principles and it's been very bad outcomes. To mm. me, on the risk-reward type type balance, quite clearly it says, you should be focusing on this and taking real and meaningful action.
0: It's an interesting thing isn't it? I mean, you know, there's examples of companies that are clear leaders where it is not easy but you can make um, a a correlation to positive app, to positive, you know, value generation. You can easily identify, you know, those six six uh, sigma disasters around ESG that have, you know, led to shareholder you know, to decline in shareholder value and reputation value, but it's and it's but it's particularly hard in that bit in the middle where you know in changes one way or the other, tracking whether it's delivered or you know sort of impacted positive and negatively on company performance is the uh, the really uh, the really uh, complex work I would imagine.
1: Yeah, and I think just understanding coming back to that point, understanding the balance of how important it is to you as a business and what changes you need to make. Again, it's not a one size fits all. So it's not like our sustainability journey is going to... Every sustainability journey is extremely difficult or every sustainability journey is extremely easy. We all know that that's not the way it works. So some businesses, their decarbonization journey is going to be extremely challenging but mm. potentially the result is existential for them. So if you're a pure play coal-fired power generator and that's all you've got in your asset portfolio, it's potentially going to be very challenging for you to, in terms of this transformation. So, you know, whereas if you're, you know, Unilever, you know, mm-hmm. the concept that you're, you know, Unilever are never going to lose customers because they're too green. Like that's just, you know, not, not going to happen. So I think, I think that's coming back to my point about what EY does. Mm. It's about finding the, the pathway that's right for each individual business. Mm. But then separate from that, which is what the ENOUGH report was very focused on, which was, however, we do need to start to get a picture of ultimately what are the planetary and societal boundaries that we have to work within and Mm. then how do we ensure that we're reporting back against those. And that's why I think, for example, things like government have a very important part to play as part of that overarching systemic structural vision of what things need to look like.
0: In the effort to be um, analytical and complex and recognize the challenges and sort of the it dependsness of, of the journey, we can often get wrapped around our own axle and end up doing nothing, can't we?
1: Correct. But again, the, the evidence continues to show us, Rachel, that mm. take these pathways, the broad, whether you go macroeconomic outcomes, very rarely are mm-hmm. bad. So if we think about mm-hmm. after the energy crisis in the 70s, you look at somewhere like Denmark, you wouldn't say that in Denmark the quality of life or living is worse than in the US. Mm. It, it's, you know, we can debate which country we think is better or worse, Rachel, but ultimately the the quality of life in Denmark mm-hmm. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And yet they went down a fully environment, you know, um, renewables pathway in response to the um, energy mm. crisis. And, you know, they are where they are today, right? So, mm-hmm. There's lots of examples of countries making these changes that are costly, but ultimately Mm -hmm. don't actually undermine quality of life compared to others. And that's the other thing. There's lots of these sort of macro examples um, where that risk reward balance still continues to suggest you should do something
0: how do you val- how do you balance this this sentiment of need, needing well, not sentiment let's be honest this reality that we need to go further faster um across you know, social as well as environmental as well as climate related um issues with the idea that progress can be really messy it can be easily interrupted by things like you know russia invading the ukraine causing an energy crisis for example how do you disintermediate what is messy and what is challenging from what is incremental, um, so that you can, you know, move away, deal with the real problems at hand and not get bogged down in sort of these incremental steps.
1: The only thing that one of the com- commentary that I would push, which again does relate to what, to some extent, what's in the Enough Report, is we do, in my opinion, seem to hold the requirements of sustainability up to a higher standard than everything else. So -hmm. what I mean by that is as a result of COVID, no one's really said we can't focus on customer anymore. Let's sacrifice marketing because we're in COVID, right? Like Mm. people are spending Mm. money on marketing the same as they always have. So why would sustainability be different? You know, like why is it Mm -hmm. that sustainability is the one that gets cut in difficult times? even mm-hmm. though it's quite clearly the most important for us as a species. <laughs> it, it, so that's type of discussion that I keep pushing through on, which is to say, well, actually look through your business and actually understand the priorities and actually determine that, no, this is one of your priorities. And so therefore, it's kind of the last that should get cut, not the first that should mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, that's an argument that we keep having to have with companies around the benefits and when we actually sit down and talk to them and actually work through and say where is your business at what is it trying to achieve very rarely in that scenario do you actually go no this is down my list of priorities Mm -hmm. so i think the language that we're trying to get to rachel is that you know this is this is so fundamental um, that It is as fundamental as suggesting that we need to, you know, like energy is another example. The the energy market at the moment is globally in challenging periods, in a Mm -hmm. challenging period, but it hasn't stopped anyone in continuing to invest in new energy um, Mm. developments. So the concept of uncertainty, which is used quite often to push back on sustainability, is also one of those things that frustrates me a little bit, Rachel, because <laughs> businesses deal with, frust- with uncertainty every single day. You go and ask mm-hmm. analysis what they think the price of oil is going to be in 10 years' time. And somehow, you know, me trying to predict what the price of carbon is going to be in 10 years' time, I should be able to do that, but they shouldn't be able to work out what oil is going to be. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think this concept of um, the uncertainty that people need to play under um, needs to be applied equally um to Mm -hmm. to climate change and sustainability related issues and a recognition that this is high on the priority list and so therefore should be the last thing to be cut not the first thing
0: and i think the other aspect as well is this um this perfect being the enemy of the good often gets in the way in sustainability that if it's not purely pure positive sustainability it's not worth doing um but there's a lot there's a lot to be said for getting things started and improving as you go along i find
1: yeah oh, look i i don't know whether you or any of your listeners will have ever watched the the tv series called the good place rachel but
0: i think it's,
1: <laughs> I think it's very instructive in this right because it has this view that you do one thing that you think is good but it actually has mm-hmm. a whole bunch of bad things and there's no way in the world that so complex now, you can never balance those two things. I think that's a great analogy. I love it. <laughs> and it can be applied to sustainability, right? So, mm-hmm. the classic one that's happening at the moment is the balancing between modern slavery risks attached to um, solar panels and mm-hmm. climate change need for renewable to be driven out within businesses. So, mm-hmm. that's a balancing act that businesses need to, to take a, a, a position on, and it's challenging. So to mm-hmm. turn around and say actually we're not going to put any new solar in until we sort out the modern slavery issues is just not really practicable. So mm. trying to do both at the same time to manage them and work through the solutions whilst you're actually still delivering on new climate outcomes is necessary. And I think that mm. that good place analogy of you you add to your to your ledger or you take away from your ledger from actions I think is a great one.
0: The the Ted Danson School of Sustainability.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on uh, the. Um, on other tv shows and uh and how they how they give us a like the ted lasso view of leadership is the next we'll get me on to rachel so
0: oh matt a pop culture and sustainability (laughs) podcast (laughs) tempt me not i'll have to have you on for this one so what are the forward steps with the enough report now that it's out in the world um and and how does how do you and how does ey push this agenda further faster with your clients
1: yeah i think um the first step is to really unpack this concept of the planetary boundaries and the, the, the mm. social boundaries, and and how that could be used as a framework for businesses to kind of mobilise around. And then I think starting to really unpick structurally what solutions could look like, and and I think there's a bit of braveness for us to do on that around, you know, the the being open to put solutions that might get shot down and be you know lots of parts of the business of the world to say that's just not practicable we're going to need to we're going to need to do that right and we're going to need to put those mm-hmm. out there and i think that's the next step for us on the enough report which is to explore this concept of the planetary boundaries and then to start to throw out potential structural solutions that that will elicit further debate and discussion and we need to accept that sometimes we might put ourselves out there and get uh negative responses but um That's part of the process.
0: And how does this, I mean, in terms of bravery, Matt, this is something I always ponder um, when you get these really great statements, um, you know, acknowledging reality full square um, by, you know, firms such as yourselves. Um, At some point... You know, do you have to make a call that if you're working with a client who is just not aligned with either the reality of pan- planetary boundaries or, you know, unwilling to implement the advice to align themselves to a Paris uh, Paris outcome of containing global warming? Is it, is it incumbent upon you to stop working with that client um, just for lack of compatibility with the big picture?
1: So I think um, on on this particular topic, we do tend to take an engagement by engagement assessment Mm -hmm. rather than a client by client and would be the way i would describe it rachel so Mm -hmm. we do provide some services which are regulatory in nature so you know every company that is you know under certain rules is required to have an audit done for as an example Mm -hmm. and in the scenario where we provide audit services or regulated services like audit or tax or so on you know it's very challenging for us to kind of go well client by client you know um we wouldn't go down that path. We do apply some things, obviously, if we're concerned about fraud or these sorts of things, obviously, we won't choose clients. But, but you know, I think sure. in that context, we, we provide a, a service to, to capital markets. That service is extremely necessary and, therefore, you know, we have to accept that. I think in the context of other services that we might provide, though, you know, I do think that we, and we we are applying kind of an approach of, of you know, engagement by engagement to actually look at it and say, is this, you know, our, true to our purpose? Our purpose at EY is called building a better working world. Um, so, you know, are we undertaking services that are actually supporting that? Um, and if they're not, you know, we would apply value judgments to, to engagements that we would undertake for clients. And what we use as the basis for that is very much, you know, what, what public, the public considered to be of interest. So when I say the public, that means community, the society as a whole will, will mm-hmm. help drive us. So rather than it being some sort of individual Matt Nelson moral decision, it's more of a what is the public, you know, what are the public's expectations around this and how will we apply that to the work that we do? Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, we definitely wish to be part of the solution. So that does mean that we need to help our clients that are high emitters transform and be part of that transition. I think the walk away construct of things is not helpful in getting those businesses to transition and providing them options for the future. Otherwise, the solution for them is that they will just ramp up, not worry about the outcomes and just go, well, this is what we're going to do anyway. And I think, um, you know, that's why we may have people that don't agree with some of the work that we do, but but we're we're very committed to being part of that transition.
0: Fantastic. All right, Matt, I think we'll leave it there and have you on next time where we talk about the uh, the Coach Lasso model of leadership and finding (laughs) your coach beard for your support. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for your time, Matt. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Greener Way Podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback, contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus.
2: The Greener Way Podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.